after all we've been through. Everything I've done. It can't be for nothing. I know you mean well. I know you want to protect me. You have. And when we're done, we'll go wherever you want. Tommy's, Sheep Ranch, the moon. I'll follow you anywhere you go. But there's no halfway with this. We finish what we started. What's the word, guys? Welcome to Bros, Breakdowns, Reviews, and Other Shit. My name is Bobby. I'll be your host. With me is my brother, my best friend. Brandon, you want to say what's up? Hello. If you are listening, you're probably a friend or a family member. Thanks for pulling up. We're a little late getting this episode out. Was feeling, uh, I was feeling uh, a little bit under the weather last week, but uh, b- better late than never. Right, bro? Yeah. It was better to sit on on it a little bit, too. Reflect yeah. on the whole season. Yeah, so I have a, a lot of thoughts on, like, the whole season and, and overall impressions on the season as a whole. So, yeah, thanks for pulling up. Um, As you might already know, today's Mathematics is the latest episode of the HBO series, The Last of Us. This one's titled Look for the Light. So, it's the fire. it's the second part of the Firefly's mission statement, tying back to episode one which was uh, If You're Lost in the Darkness, right? So kind of cool that they kind of called back the the episode one title. This one ended up with a 9.1 IMDb rating. I think it's like the third or fourth highest rated one. Endure and Survive ended up being the the highest rated episode. And then... um, Really? Yeah. That's the second Henry and Sam episode. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And then... And then the second one, I think, is uh, it's a tie between Infected, which was the second episode, and then the the one with David. I forget what that one was called, the last week's episode, the penultimate, which wasn't one of my favorites. I don't know if you listened to the pod. I did that one by myself, bro. But yeah, you and I spoke a lot about what what we took issue with in that episode, but it wasn't one of my favorites, probably in like the bottom yeah. tier. The, the, that was one I had to sit on the most. Initially, I was like, luke, like lukewarm about it, but... I mean, I definitely agree it's top, like, five at least. Oh, yeah? For me, yeah. I don't uh, know where, but one of the better ones, for sure. It had it had its, it had its high moments, for sure, but I just felt like the ending was rushed and, like, the whole character yeah, arc sure. of David was rushed. It would have benefited from spreading that character from out on two episodes because he takes such a quick, evil, cartoonishly car- caricature-like yeah. turn. Uh, towards the end, um, when all of a sudden he's like a pedophile and a rapist and and all these things, but but uh, I thought I thought the show did so like one of the things that that episode did so well at was kind of like veiling his motivations and and kind of keeping you in the dark on whether he's good or not because that actor was pretty pretty like we took issue with him at the end like I don't know if he was as convincing when he's screaming at her in that fi- in in the steakhouse. <laughs> like, but he was pretty convincing as like, you know, I'm just a simple man with 
who was uh, thrust into this position. I thought, like, is this guy good? Is this guy bad? One of my, this one guy in my my class, we, him and I were talking about it. And he, he said, like, at first, too, he was on, like, he didn't know what to, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't play the game, so I'm sure you already knew that David was evil, but for non-game players watching the show, I'm sure that they were sort of like, I don't know if he's good or bad. Basically, his in, his character introduction wasn't as blatantly one way or the other as, like, Kathleen's, where her first scene is doing something pretty terrible, right? Yeah. Like, committing murder or... um. So with him, like, there's, like, two or three scenes where he's actually kind of sympathetic. There's hints of darkness in him, when he's, especially when he's talking to David, and you get little hints of it. But um, the one scene in particular with, with Allie where he's having uh, over the campfire, I thought it was pretty convincing, and I wasn't sure if he was good or not, you know? Yeah. Anyways, um, this one was, this one, Druckmann and Mason shared script, uh, or, like, um, sh- screenwriting credit for this one so that's cool i think that's one of the first i think maybe the first episode did that but other than that the episodes have been written by either mason alone or Druckmann alone uh so this was the first one where it kind of they both shared screenwriting credit which is which is interesting and then again directed by ali abasi i spoke about his kind of filmography a little bit in the last episode but he has a couple interesting like dark horror films to his credit he hasn't done a lot of tv unlike the other couple guest directors on on the series but he did this one movie called uh Bro- broker i think it was called mm-hmm. and it's about this like it's a swedish film it's about this tsa agent who can sniff fear and and um he sort of bonds with this detective sleuth and it, w- it was nominated for a bunch of stuff and supposed to be good and the actor who plays it, they have like this face, just more like face to like this face. Uh, I don't know. They have like this face. I don't want to call it a. What do you? Deformity. Yeah, yeah, some kind of deformity. Um, so it's interesting, like visual. Uh, but I thought he did a good job in the last episode, and this one was really, really well done too. Isn't it called Border? Yeah, or yeah, Border. Yeah. I said Broker. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give like my overall impressions. I kind of have a lot of thoughts on the series as a whole that kind of tie into the episode, but, um, like in, in, I like, I watch a lot of TV bros, you know, and like in traditional serialized TV, the episodes are, are, are usually propelled by like one or overarching conceit, like whether it's some salacious mystery or some intriguing conflict, basically like the hooks that that's going to bring people back every week. Like, how will this get solved? Or who's going to win this showdown? But The Last of Us, like, sort of abandoned that formula. And and, and, and instead, the sh- the it feels, the show's fueled by character and, and relationships. And you kind of pick up on that pretty early on in the season. But there, like, beyond that, there is, like, this over, like, this central journey you and I have talked about. Like, okay, getting the cure, finding the cure, that's kind of plays in the background and, and I felt like that was, that sort of storyline was sort of abandoned, but um, the hook is is Joel and Allie. It's not like this conflict. It's not the mystery. It's not like the plot of finding the cure. The hook is Joel and Allie, basically. Like that's the main thing that's gonna that kept us coming back every week. Was like what 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 
conflict or what danger will they face every week that's going to threaten threaten their relationship and their love for each other. This gives the show some freedom to expand the storytelling and, and sort of ex- explore different corners of the world so long as it, it can all tie back to the characters. Like the show isn't accountable to any single plot um like necessarily. I mean, it, it is but it it basically isn't. The stakes are built upon like the salvation of of Joel and Allie's souls and and the level the level of difficulty for this is higher because and relies on more things. The writing has to be great. The acting has to be great. The chemistry between the two leads has to be great. And in my opinion, the show, The Last of Us, you know, pulled it off for the most part. What what kept us coming back every week wasn't necessarily the infected or the fungus or the prospect. Definitely not the infected. They weren't even there. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't any of that. Not even the prospect of a cure, really. It was um, It was always Joel and Allie. And that's pretty refreshing to see in, in today's TV. Some of my favorite shows of, of all time follow that formula, like Sopranos and Mad Men or The Wire. Uh, there, were, Yeah, there's like certain storylines and, and, and conflicts and plots that play. But most of the time, those shows were about the characters and the way they interacted with each other, right? Especially Sopranos. Mad Men, too, I thought. Like, can you really name, like, one of the biggest uh, clients that the Mad Men had to... Um, you know, had to land or close. Fuck it was no. only, I mean, there's a couple of them like I can think of, but you've seen it multiple times. Yeah. Though. But most of the time the show wasn't about that. It wasn't about like, Oh, we got to get this client or, Oh, we got to like blah, blah, blah. It was always about the characters and their interactions and their relationships. And anyways, leading up to the finale of this, of the last of us, I was complaining last week a little bit or the, the episode prior about how the show has sort of abandoned the central journey and not really set the stage for, like a compelling series finale or even giving me an idea of what to expect really but I don't watch like the next on series but it felt like every every episode was kind of like a like a closed episode and that was great like everyone every episode was great but I I was missing sort of like I guess that serialized element I guess I'm I'm used to it by now like seeing a series like you know connect every episode and 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 the last of us does that, but more or less, it, it you know, would you agree? Like most episodes, kind of could stand on their own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Especially the first half. Yeah, like the first five or six episodes were, yeah, they're all basically standalone. Yeah, and um, but I'm eating my words a bit because I refuse to listen to what the show had been saying all along that it isn't about anything other than Joel and Allie's relationship. It's not about. It, that's that's what it cares about so what we should expect in the finale is some watershed moment or culmination of that relationship and that's that's basically what we got and it wasn't until the episode was winding down that i that i finally accepted this even when he's in the hospital saying oh is it like we're finally going to get an answer about this cure thing and it sort of kind of ended up being a red herring i'm sure that what happened in that hospital or i know <laughs> i've been spoiled that on what what happened in that hospital will come back to Joel and Allie when one way or another, but um, it wasn't until, like I said, the episode was winding down that I, I realized the show cares about Joel and Allie's relationship more more than more than anything else. And you know, I've been I've just been trained as a consumer of TV to to expect some sort of grand resolution or shock or cliffhanger in, in a series finale, but uh, th- this is much more satisfying. I you know I've really fallen for these characters. And I care more about what happens to them and their bond than I do about the about the salvation of humanity, I guess, you know. Um, so 
Yeah, it's a very like untraditional way to end an episode and a series of te- of television, you know, like without any sort of showdown uh, or mystery being solved. I mean, there are we, we do get a lot of questions answered, but there are many more new questions and the answers we got weren't necessarily what we may have expected. But yeah, I just thought it was a very bold way to, to end the series. Um, but yeah, well, what was your... Do you have any overall impressions or thoughts on the last episode or the series as a whole? Um, the thing I I keep I can't that keeps going back to me is just the performance of Pedro and the performances of Pedro and Bala. I really do believe now that we have the whole series that in many ways they definitely amplified the show. So I mean, kudos to the casting department or whoever got them involved because I I do truly feel like um whether by perfect timing or design they just yeah like they, they just stole the shows the show itself in many ways because I, I said it a, a while back that the the most and you've just said it as well like the most important part is the the journey and the story of Joel and Ellie and and I do feel like some episodes, uh, not that they, the episodes themselves, they were they were awesome, especially the second episode, or what was it, the third episode, sorry, where we're completely, um, essentially devoid of that their journey. I mean, they, they come up at the beginning of the, the episode with Bill and Frank, but yeah, like, even though those episodes where they, they weren't the set, the vocal point, or, you know, we expanded on the side characters a lot, um... I feel like those kind of took away from the the overarching importance of Joel and Allie's relationship, but at the same time, thank God (laughs) that they're, that we got Pedro and Bella because they, yeah, they, they really ended up being the the heart and soul of the show. And, but yeah, like I said, at the same time, that that's my one gripe, I would have enjoyed a little more time with them just because, or I can't decide whether if it's, just because I love like their performance so much, or because the show needed it, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I can't decide which one. We, yeah, like that three month of. time jump we got between, yeah, uh, between them leaving Kansas City and coming into Wisconsin. That would have been cool to see some of those moments. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, this is always the thing that that plagues most stories when they're transferring over to different mediums right we see the same thing with books yeah. that are turned into movies you, you have to condense it so much and yeah people who have read the book they always that's their number one complaint the book is better of course it's better you're spending more time with it it's a different medium you have the um advantage of your imagination to run rampant with it and with this one being a 14 15 hour game depending how long at least it's it's anywhere between 13 15 hours we weren't we didn't get 13 hours of of the show necessarily but yeah i, I would have liked to have spent a little more time with uh, uh joel and ali but yeah uh, overall i mean I, I thought it was great if i if i were to give it on like a rating for number system wise I, i'd probably give it like a like a nine like like a nine point something nine point two yeah. so like a minus yeah, it was excellent. I it, was, it probably yeah. exceeded my expectations, and we had pretty high expectations. Yeah, 
Um, some people are saying it's like the one of the greatest season ones of any HBO show, like up there with like True Detective or Game of Thrones, Sopranos, like, you know, some of the goats they're saying like TLU is up there. TLOU, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I want to say that the show wouldn't work without Pedro and Bala, but it's cert- certainly elevated by them and may- maybe it wouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of good actors out there. I don't want to say that. I heard that Jeffrey Pierce, Jeffrey Pierce, who guy who plays, um, I forget his name, but Kathleen's right hand, mm-hmm. he played uh, Tommy in the game. He said that Mahershala Ali was in early talks to play him. I thought, yeah, I remember that. He would have been great too. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We really like him, but, yeah. um, yeah, for sure. I mean, and we do get we do get a lot of like quiet moments between Joel and Allie when he's teaching her to hunt or they're especially in this the last two episodes where they're kind of finally opening up to each other. And even in the earlier episodes when she's talking about the plane and what that was like or what what the world was like before the out before outbreak day. So we do get some of it. But yeah, it's and that but that's some of our favorite moments, right? Like the campfire scene where she's talking about wanting to be an astronaut and he's talking about his sheep farm all that stuff is some of the most memorable stuff from the series and uh it would maybe would have been nice to get more of it but but i don't want to say that we didn't get any of it you know we we did get a, a lot of cool joel and Allie moments you know mm-hmm. um but yeah overall yeah the series was great a couple of things i liked specifically about the episode before we kind of break it down was just gonna run off a couple of things. I really like that opening sequence with Anna. I thought that was like it felt like a little short film, cold open, a cold open that actually carries into the episode, which isn't something we've seen or traditionally see with cold opens. You know, usually they end right before the credits roll, but this one kind of played beyond it, so that, that was kind of cool. Um, but I thought that whole sequence was really well done, really terrifying, and then also touching and suspenseful. Like, again, the show does such a good job of, like, just giving you the full range of all emotions, kind of like. And um, Ken, uh, is that the one with Riley? Like, that episode was so... Oh, Riley's was left behind, oh, left and behind. Ken is uh, the Jackson episode. Oh, okay, yeah, my bad. With Tommy. But yeah, that one sort of was funny and then all of a sudden so terrifying and heartbreaking. Like this little mini sequence had all those emotions, right? Like you go from being super terrified, you get the only glimpse of the infected in this episode or the last two or three episodes, I want to say. Of course, it's just one. <laughs> one person. <laughs> but it was great. It was like the way that that's like the way that they move and how the way that they all move differently was crazy. And you would you would expect like it probably has a lot to do with the individual person biology or physical capabilities that they would all move a little bit differently i feel like that that was a cool touch the way this one specifically was like crawl crawl running pretty fucking terrifying um but then they had a really you know touching moving scene where she's kissing the baby and i thought that was just really touching and um it kind of enriches the story between Allie and marlene you get a lot of uh background info so i thought that whole sequence was great the the brief return of soft joel like soft joel seemed to disappear completely last episode until the end but uh you know when he's torturing those vatos and all that but best part of the series right there <laughs> but then he's back baby soft joel was back in this episode he's sort of playful he's nurturing he's encouraging he's trying to soft joel he's trying to cheer up Allie by you know just give me you know what i'm in the mood for some puns or have you ever played bongo and 
all these shit. Look what it is, Chef Boyardee, and I could teach you how to play guitar. He's so nice in this. He's the nicest. This is like the nicest side of Joel we've seen, even with like Sarah. Like I haven't seen this since pre outbreak. Um. So yeah, I like I kind of like seeing that side of uh, Joel. Um. Allie's disassociation was really lived in and well performed. Her kind of despondence um, reinforces the idea that there are consequences to all this shit. Like I kind of thought this might have happened, would have happened earlier in the series, like especially after what happened to Henry and Sam. Um, but we did get like a three month time jump there, so that like we talked about it, like she probably had a lot of time to deal with it and process her grief. But I would have expected this like sort of trauma and disassociation that we see here in this episode um show itself in earlier moments in the series but this is the first time where she's actually had to like kill uh, another human being that isn't infected probably right like if she's had to kill before it's probably i mean as far as we know it was infected it was riley and it was maybe maybe that you know the one in the basement and that um when they're running rummaging that store but she's never actually had to kill another, you know, person. And so it makes sense that she'd be this despondent. She uh, killed the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah, that dude. So fuck. Uh, I thought this the, the episode was really well paced and confident. And, um, it took its time. You know, I, I thought that it showed that it didn't feel like it, it had to rush anything. Like you see them just wandering, talking, kind of talking about what happened before. I thought that was... Um, kind of confident and bold and it worked um Joel, joel's whole massacre i thought that was such an interesting way to be portrayed well, we'll get into it more later but just how the way it was portrayed the slowing down of the music and the point of view and all just the filmmaking style and choices that was that were made in that sequence were really effective and and uh like i said sort of different than what we're used to seeing in you know action scenes like that um and then Joel's turn, like the fact that he sort of becomes this, well, you know, the decision he makes and all that, like we'll talk more about it, but um thought it was really bold for the show to invest us so deeply into Joel and then have him commit these sins and then have us confront this, have us confront that and how, and how complicated that makes, how that complicates our feelings for Joel and all that. Um But... Yeah, a couple things that, like, maybe I'll just a couple nits to pick. The fact that Joel went full God mode and didn't even get scratched in that massacre was kind of, uh, you know, incredulous. But I don't know. What did you think about that? Yeah, how convenient it was that, like, everyone was just by themselves and no one was moving as a group and one by one, just like. And no one was prepared. They thought that he (laughs) would just go silently. Okay, bye. Like, no, like, the fact that they're like, take him out to the to the road and that's that like the fact that they didn't say hey this guy might be might you know turn especially marlene she kept mentioning how capable he was before this and the fact that she she trusted him with all this and she's seen him do bad things so i don't know i thought that was a little um stupid of them (laughs) and then i guess i just had some questions about the firefly doctor's research and then you know their due diligence about that this is the only way you know uh, but Dave Chen had had an had an interesting idea. He usually like really is sensitive to shit like this, but and this for this he really wasn't. He didn't really take an issue with this, and and I thought his reasoning for it was 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 um it changed my mind on it too a bit. He he basically says that if he played the game too, right? Yeah, yeah. 
he basically says that if the idea that's birthed from the story mechanic is compelling enough, then then the incredulity of the story mechanic that generated the idea can be forgiven. So basically, the question that this that the story mechanic of this posits, which is, would you sacrifice one person for all humanity, is interesting and compelling enough to warrant like how. Uh, unlikely or silly it is that they wouldn't have considered other options, basically. Um, so the question of does one outweigh the needs of all, it's kind of like a cath- a, a callback to Kathleen's question to Sam, right? Um, or to Henry. Uh, when she says, was he one worth it all? It's like sort of like the central question of the series. And, and Joel made his choice, right? He even says, like, I have a choice. And... Um, so I don't really have, you know, some people were like, uh, what about blood tests or blood transfusions? Like there has to be other ways about how to get this um, out of alley and into a vaccine. But the show kind of just plays fast and loose with that and doesn't really um, sort of interrogate that as far. Did, did that bother you or you don't, you know, it's a, it's a video game. It's a TV yeah, show. Yeah, that's what know? I was about to say. I mean. Even regardless of the fact that it's a video game, we, we, I mean, it's case by case, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, it's fiction. (laughs) We all, we all take our liberties with fiction. Yeah. So, and if it, I feel like if it's executed well enough and, and that that goes for everything, the acting, the writing, the, the strength of the story and the characters, I mean, you can look past those things. It's kind of the same logic we give, like, I mean, shout out John Wick for I'm stoked for that coming out. But and, you know, we all acknowledge the like the ludicrous Absurdity. aspect of of one person just going going in on however many people and killing them like nothing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's fiction. It's it's fiction for a reason, and it's hard to find that balance too. Like, um, I I feel like when it's a story like this where you know they are going for a realistic approach we've mentioned it a couple times before in the last couple episodes like at the end of the day it's it is science fiction so yeah i mean this is a zombie show yeah like you know i don't know but yeah infected yeah (laughs) there are people who are doctors or uh like in the medical field who said like this wouldn't have happened this way and of course you're always going to have those people like yeah you have those people like lawyers who always come in like there's a lot of people say that the the way that some of these lawyer shows or like cop shows were run that it would never run that way or ER Grey's Anatomy but um I didn't really have an like the, the one thing that I took an issue with was like how fast that exposition was delivered and how Marlene had to sort of quickly explain that uh but I it wasn't that bad I just I just hate when shit's rushed like that you know yeah but other than that I didn't really well, like that's back to what I was saying a lot of a lot of the aspects of the show were, were a little rushed. Even if they were executed excellently, it would have been nice to spend a little more time with with some of the themes they were going for. Yeah. Or have them play out a little more um, organically. Yeah. Um, so we'll just break down the episode. We get that cold open flashback. I was really stoked to see that. And then you quickly realize it's a, yeah, it's a flashback. And... I was I didn't know Ashley Johnson was going to be in the show, but you see a woman running and she's obviously pregnant, 
And I recognized Ashley Johnson, and I knew that, you know, that she played Allie in the show, so that was cool to see. Brandon, you already knew, right, that she was going to play Anna. Yeah, she popped up in the first trailer, and everyone was talking about it on Twitter. Allie's mama. Yeah. And you learn that she's running from running from the infected. She comes up across a safe house. Seems like she knows it's a safe house. She comes in. She says, it's me. You know, it's a, it's a house she's been at. There's nobody there. Her water breaks. It seems uh, like she's about to have this baby. She has to run upstairs. The infected has gotten into the house and and uh, the infected attacks her. She kind of kills it with this knife right away. I figured, okay, this must be the knife. Oh, I wonder what the kill count is on this knife now, bro. What is it? So that that's one. I mean, that's one that we know that that was by Anna. We have the alley killing the one in the mall, alley killing the one in the basement. So it's it's. Uh, I'm just. I was just wondering. This this knife has put a lot of infected down. <laughs> yeah. Real pe- people down too. Yeah, um, you know, my thoughts on this was, you know, Allie's born into violence. Ashley, you know, a lot of people have made this comparison, but Ashley Johnson birthing Allie in the character in the game, and then birthing Allie in the show is really poignant and touching and kind of, kind of thoughtful. Um, right away, or you see, Anna, Anna is bit, uh, so that's how she'll, you know, she, she's she's bit, she's bit in the leg, so that takes a while. Um, and when, once Ellie is born, she tells, you know, you fucking tell him, uh, Ryan Airy pointed this out. He says, maybe that explains Ellie's, you know, profanity. The fact that one of the first things her mom tells her is you fucking tell him. So that's why she has such a, such a dirty mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then, then we get the, then we get some credits. And then, like I said, the, the cold open extends into the show and that's where you see Marlene and the fireflies entering the house and. Anna's singing to Allie. The, the, sh- the song she's singing is The Sun Always Shines on TV by AHA. Ryan Airy kind of took a deep dive on this too. And earlier in the series, you see Allie had an AHA cassette. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, when, when does she have that cassette? Is it when she's at the, in her dorm? I think you see it in her dorm. Probably, um, yeah. At the, at the, at the Fedra dorm place. Um, but the lyrics that, that you hear Anna singing to Allie is, Touch me, how can it be? Believe me, the sun always shines on TV. Hold me close to your heart. Touch me and give all your love to me. And, yeah, I just love how the show, like, and you said the game, too, really is committed to music and it really kind of integrates music and in, in, in its storytelling and kind of uses it to land certain themes and points it wants to really um, focus on. And this was kind of a, another example of that. And finally, you see Marlene walk in and holding Anna's holding a knife to her neck. Re- really, really crazy image. And of all, of all the zombie shows we've seen, uh, this is one I don't think I've seen before. Like a, a mother holding a baby she just birthed. She's bit and she wants to take care of it as long as she can. And she she's waiting to sense, waiting for any sort of sign of her turning to kill herself. Like she wants to be with her baby until the last possible moment. Um, I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, to yeah. to see her holding the knife to her neck, um, she lies to Marlene here, saying that she she cut the umbilical cord before she got bit, but we know that that she actually didn't, and that actually probably has a lot to do with Allie's immunity, right? Um, yeah, I thought that was the the best um, part, or the best thing about the inclusion of this scene because this wasn't in the game at all, and I thought that was. The umbilical cord. I, I mean, not that it needed it, you know, not that we needed a, a real explanation of why. Why is it Allie that 
why is it she's immune? But I think the way in which they executed it was was clever, and it and it's um it's cool to see like because basically she's she's been born into this world, and and she's had the dangers even before she was out of the womb. Yeah, that's the, while she was in the womb. Yeah. So I, I like I like that story touch, and and when this episode first came out, they were reporting, and Druckmann had said. Um, a couple years or around the time the after the first game came out that they had reached out to another studio regarding making a, a game uh, like following Ali's mom so it would have been a prequel and I was like I wish we would have got that that's that would have been dope and another, th- another thing that's cool that connects to that is when they first announced part 2 um, one of the first like um, gameplay or cinematic uh, scenes that they had shown was I mean now you know is was the character of Abby, but that they showed a scene in which she's um she's getting tied up and and she's about to her stomach's about to get cut open by somebody. I don't want to spoil it for you, but they had, they didn't give any story details. Like they just said, "Oh, woman," and everyone said, "Like, oh, is that Ali's mom? Is that Ali's mom?" And I, I, that's what it reminded me of as well when I first because I remember when that scene first came out when they announced it at one of the PlayStation conferences or whatever because nobody had no idea who the character of abby was she wasn't even named at the time mm. and everyone was like oh we're gonna get flashbacks in the next game that would have been cool this yeah. so, so does anna have a name in the game like is she named in the game i'm pretty sure yeah yeah i'm pretty sure we hear the name yeah i mean we, there's we a, hear her name at least there's a lot of real estate there for a good story i think if they ever want to like do a like a prequel or something. Yeah, and Druckmann kind of alluded to that too in that same interview that they that you never know that they could always go back. So, yeah, cool. so Allie is what in the show four, 14? Yeah, she's supposed to be 14. So yes. that so it's been like 6 years into the outbreak when Anna when we meet Anna, right? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um so back to the, to the breakdown Anna asks Marlene to take care of her. Marlene doesn't really want to. We learn that Anna and Marlene have known each other their whole lives, so that's another interesting thing. And you don't need to learn more about that. You kind of pick it up. Those both both of those actors are so good that you get the you you you, you get a sense of their history just by the way that they're looking at each other. I thought um, that scene was really you know sometimes when that if those if the actors aren't very good enough and you hear them saying you know referring to like a, a a whole life that they've lived before sometimes it doesn't really work but i don't know it worked for me here um but marlene finally like you know she 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 relents and, and decides to take in ally she picks picks her up and um and she she gets, she hands her over to one of the fireflies just asks the guy to cover her ears but the guy doesn't even do it i don't know i don't know if you noticed that but when marlene clips anna uh Allie's he doesn't ear- cover the baby's ears. No, Ali. <laughs> Ali heard everything. <laughs> um, so that's the end of that sequence, and yeah, really well done sequence. And I just thought of a, a, a brilliant way to open the episode and, and drop us back into the, into this world. And it cuts the next scene. We see, or the, it cuts directly onto Ali's face. She's so despondent, and we're in Salt Lake City now, um, where the the Fireflies uh, doctors are supposed to be. Uh, seems like some time has passed. We don't really know how much, but we get uh, it's probably some time. And like I said earlier, Soft Joel is back. This is the most playful and kind we've seen him. He's talking about beefaroni. He found a can of beefaroni. He found Boggle. It's a word game. 
Uh, he says, you know, if you want to beat me at something, it would be this. I'm guessing Joel probably wouldn't be very good at words with friends, bro. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, Ali's severely traumatized. You know, I, I talked about this earlier, but I, I was wondering when all this horror and violence that she's witnessed would finally break her. And it seems like, like, murdering David. Either murdering David or the threat of being sexually assaulted. It might be a combination of both, but, you know... Um, even though she wasn't sexually assaulted, she was, you know, in a way. And that that comes with its own level of trauma. So I'm sure that plays into her into her trauma and her, and her rage when she kills David, the fact that he violated her in, in, when she was stuck in that cell and shit. Um, they're, they're, they have to walk to the hospital. They're walking over to the hospital. Joel talks about a guitar he saw in the RV. He wants to teach her how to play guitar. He's joking about dynamite and how to cut across the, the buildings. Uh, yeah, so he's a lot lighter, a lot playful. We get a little uh, nod to the game here about this ladder, right? This is kind of a nod to the game. You always have to use Allie's small size to get into places. And Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and it was cool to see to see Pedro and, and Bella actually do that. It was funny. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I'm like, why are they focusing yeah. so much on this ladder thing? Yeah. Um, but Allie's distracted, and she she drops the ladder. Uh, Joel freaks freaks out. This kind of took me aback. The fact that he's like doesn't doesn't even want to let her out of his sight. He's like freaking out. Like he's chasing her. He's getting really. He's so terrified of like losing sight of her again. He just never wants to let her out of his sight again. It seems like probably since they've left um, Silver Lake, he probably hasn't left her out of his sight. But I don't know if you noticed how panicked he was when she's running around on that. Uh, she when she's running around up there. And he's like, don't, slow down, slow down. God damn it, slow down. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see that, and then we finally see this really kind of um, uh, epic moment from there, or kind of like iconic moment from the game, this giraffe. Is this like a, was this as heavily emphasized in the game as it was here? Yeah. And was it, is it a cut scene, or is there some sort of a- environmental gameplay involved? No, it's not a cut scene. You, you press triangle and... Then I think it, it cuts to a cutscene from there, but yeah, it is, it, it is like a part of the gameplay. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and uh, I guess this was a real giraffe. It didn't look real, but it was like a blend of a VFX and real giraffe. I think why it looked so weird is that the background is is fake. It's shot on the yeah. volume, but I was for sure that this was like a CGI giraffe, but it, Same. it, it wasn't. Um, shout out Jasmine. She kind of corrected me because she's like that's your they use a real giraffe and i was like no way they didn't and then she pulled up an article you know her like she has to prove that she's right <laughs> yeah um and then we get joel's proposition so we get an we get an inside idea of what joel's thinking in this moment he says we don't have to do this and he's never really been on you know like in full support of this mission but for different reasons before it was just because he didn't buy it right he says all oh, like of course, I've heard this a million times. They're going to find a cure. There is no cure. But now it's because, I mean, now it's for a different reason. He wants to protect Allie. It's not about him not believing in the cure. I think he actually might maybe believe in the cure, but what that would cost Allie, he doesn't want to really find out. He kind of pauses this. He gives Allie a choice, basically. He says, you know, we can go back if you want, um, but Allie's committed. She, you know, After all we've been through, she says, everything I've done, it can't be for nothing. Um, after we're done, I'll follow you anywhere you go, but we have to finish what we started. Uh, 
So this kind of gives you an inside idea of to what she would have done if they would have asked her. Um, um, you know, this is much different than like sacrificing your life for which you would have done had to do with the surgery. But it just gives you an idea. Maybe, you know, I don't know. You and I can talk more about that when we get to that part. But uh, we've talked a lot, a little bit off mic about would she have done it? You know, would she have not have done it? I think, you know, this is pretty clear that she probably would have said yes, especially considering everything. Um, like, I'll I'll do this if it means saving everybody, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like I said, why does Joel have the change of heart here? And I think it's just because his love for Allie has grown so strong and so big that it just trumps everything else. Um, so they're walking through this army emergency medical camp and Joel kind of gives gives uh, Allie some history, a history lesson here on what happened. It was set up after the outbreak and Joel was in one treating this gunshot wound. Uh, and we learned that it happened, you know, it didn't happen much long after the outbreak. It happened on the second day and we learned that it was an attempted suicide. And he sort of confesses this. You know, he says that he wasn't scared. I couldn't have been more ready, especially, you know, after losing Sarah. And Allie's sort of taking it back and she says, so time heals all wounds, I guess. And then we get like the most touching moving moment of this of the whole series, maybe, bro. This this shit shit this shit moved me deeply. <laughs> but he says it wasn't time that did it. And then she says, Well, I'm glad that that didn't work out. Uh just just lovely dialogue and like lovely acting here. Um th- this Yeah, I thought Pedro sold it pretty well. Yeah, like Um It's almost like God, he loves Ali so much, it's almost like He's a little delu- like delusional, the fact that I feel it, it, it's a little bit off-putting to me a bit. I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. But you could see him projecting so much of Sarah onto her. It's not completely that and solely that, but I think there is a lot of that. And that it's a little bit upsetting to me, or it just doesn't come off as genuine or as authentic as I, as I would have liked. You know, like the show is never really one way, black or white, about anything. And here, though you understand he does love Allie, you also understand that he's projecting a lot of Sarah and he's substituting Allie for Sarah also here. And that is sort of concerning, too. Did did you get that? Any of that? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, and that goes back to my what I keep saying about, yeah, had we seen a little more, had spent a little more time with them, it would maybe we wouldn't, you wouldn't have felt that way. But yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I like what you said about delusions. Delusions. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I would argue, like to a certain extent, most loves are are delusional. You know, mm. you kind of have to lean into that delusion in order to tr- truly fill the like the, all the advantages and the the full effects of it you know you have to substitute a lot of things and and it makes sense in this joyless and hopeless world that that he would lean so heavily into that especially his background yeah that's a good point bro like all love has project we project all love involves some kind of projections and some sort yeah. of ideas of who we think the person we love is and it's not ever 100% them it's just our idea of them that we sort of project on but yeah that's interesting um so is is joel healed bro or do you think he just thinks he is or 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 
or what? You know, the fact... No, he's definitely not healed. I mean... So he's kind of, like like we said, he's kind of trying to just kind of convince himself that he is. Yeah. Because he's admitting here that he is healed because she says time heals all wounds. He says, no, it wasn't time that did it. So he thinks he's healed or he's confessing that he's healed, but we don't think he is. We don't buy it. I mean, I think if we're getting specific, I believe he's... He is healed from the wound that Sarah left behind. And he is lucky to a certain extent because he he is getting another chance at being a father. Mm -hmm. And that's, even if he didn't realize that's all he really wanted for the last 20 years, he's gotten that. So to that point, yeah, specifically, he is healed from that, that that gashing wound that he was dealt with the loss of Sarah. Yeah. I mean, you can never really fully recover from something like that, you know? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can. I think you are, you're always, you grieve forever and you learn how to grieve in different ways and it grief like kind of changes over time for sure. But I don't know if you're ever like healed or, or there's any of a closure you hear about, you know, people who have had, who have lost people 20, 25 years. Billy Bob Thornton once said this, he lost his brother when he was like in an early like twenties or something. He says that you never get over it, basically, that it's just something that's always there and you just learn to deal with it, basically. But so mm-hmm. I think that it's hard to say healed. That just seems like yeah, he's healed enough. Yeah, I guess. Um, but you can come to terms with the reality of the loss. I think that's a that's a better way of putting it. You know, the fact that, you know, it takes a while sometimes for you, you to accept what's happened. And I think he sort of accepted it, maybe even um rid himself of some of the guilt. I think maybe that's what he's referring to, too. Like, he's had to deal with a lot of guilt over Sarah's death, and maybe he's finally learning to forgive himself um, or redeem himself somehow. Um, But the show's done a really good job of, like, balancing tones, and right away after this heavy, heavy moment, we get a funny, light moment. He says, you know what? You know what I'm in the mood for? I'm in the mood for some puns. And uh, so we get a a really topical... Shitty puns. Yeah, shitty puns. Yeah. So we get a really shitty topical pun. People are making Armageddon jokes like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, and she says too soon, right? That yeah, was funny. too soon. He's like, nah, it's topical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, topical's a, a funny word. I don't know if that would be in Joel's vocabulary. <laughs> it's very like NPR. Um, Joel's not that dumb, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he knew what he was saying when he said that word, too. He's like, this is going to impress her. I doubt Allie would like. I know I didn't know what the hell topical meant when I was fourteen. I wonder if Allie even got that. Yeah, but I thought this was this was interesting filmmaking. It reminded me of the episode and or the the part in episode one when um Sarah when Sarah's in the in the neighbor's house and the old lady's kind of changing in the background. Um, you see like this Fedra agent or not Fedra? Excuse me, this Firefly, uh, running in the background. You know, I thought that it reminded me of that that. They don't really focus. The filmmaking here isn't as tra- isn't traditionally done. The fact that you see like this guy just running in the back, it was even it was almost even more haunting than you if you would have seen like a close up of the footsteps of the Firefly agent or the you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's cool. like I, I like just seeing it happening in the background. It kind of gives it like this documentary feeling, and um, they th- they throw this fire, fl- they throw this flashbang, and then uh, the screen like just went completely white. I thought that was an interesting touch that i hadn't seen and i asked you when we were watching if that was like in the game this white 
because it felt like a video game thing. I feel like I've seen that in Metal Gear Solid when the whole screen goes white and it's usually used to sort of signify some sort of critical moment in the game's journey. Like this is like a like you're going to wake up next in a place where something really um, significant is going to happen. And I mean, that does happen here, but I just thought it, it felt like a video game thing, having the whole screen go white. Um, Joel wakes up in the hospital. And it's Marlene. She's she says something really silly here, but I don't know. I didn't catch it on the first time, but upon rewatch, she says first thing she says to him is, "Welcome to the Fireflies." <laughs> yeah, she says that in the game too. Oh, okay, it's a game thing. Okay, yeah, uh, that that's all right then. Um, but yeah, she's like she's tripping out on how he got there. She says that they, you know, it took like six, seven men to get uh, to get her there safely, and how did he do it? And he says it was all Allie. You know, she fought like hell to get here. And he's right in a sense. She saved his ass a lot of different times. But um, I was surprised to see her there because that was my first question. Is like, how the hell did she get across the country? Um, so I'm glad they at least addressed it. But I didn't want them to like Game of Thrones, late season Game of Thrones do it where people just hop, globe hop um, from one side of the world to the other. Um, Marlene tells Joel that she's being prepped for surgery. This is where we get that big exposition dump, finally, of, of how this all works. Um, chemical messengers is basically what they break it down to. Uh, I thought that was a kind of a, a simplified way of breaking it down, but like we talked about earlier, it's a video game, so you just got to go with it. Chemical messengers, it, it, it makes normal cordyceps, thinks that she's cordyceps. That's why she's immune. He's going to remove it from her, from her, multiply the cells, produce the messengers and give it to everyone. And that's going to be the cure. And that's the extent of we get of the medical science behind this thing. Uh, and uh, it's good <laughs> enough. It's good enough, I guess. Um, did Marlene know all along? Like, this was one of my questions. Would, it would have been interesting to see a clue of Allie's immunity revealed in that cold, cold open. I don't know. Like, was Anna immune? I don't think she, I mean, she was turning, right? Like, she did seem sweaty and and that but like yeah. uh, i don't know like was she turned did you buy, think that you saw signs of her turning in, in the cold open i mean yeah. yeah yeah so Allie just happens to be immune it has nothing to do with anna i guess but i thought i mean it has to do with anna being bit while they, she was pregnant that's just the just the timing of it scene. yeah mm-hmm. um and they mentioned that too marlene has that dialogue where she or doesn't she? I thought she had the dialogue where she says it's because she was bit or something while she was giving birth. I don't know. Or no, she talks about the fact that that Allie was bit and that she she doesn't know why, but she's like she has some sort of mutation and it mm. it doesn't affect her or something. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah. No. I, I don't know if she like mentions the birth. Uh, no. Yeah. I don't think she. But did. it. I guess it makes sense. I just. I just have a couple questions, like, and like I said, it would have been, uh, like, I'm wondering if Marlene knew all along or when she learned that Allie was immune. I guess it might have been in Boston right before she, she, um, handed her over to Joel, I guess, but I wonder if she knew longer than that. Um, but we don't really get the answer to that. So Joel puts the pieces together that since cordyceps grows in the brains that what they're planning to do is, is kill her and he, and he won't have it. Marlene, Marlene promises there won't be any pain. And uh, she says that she, she she's the only one who understands she's been with her since birth and um, that she has no other choice, basically. So 
it's it's interesting. This has been like a running theme in the in, throughout the whole series, basically, of these adults making choices for Allie. And we see it happening since birth. Anna made a choice for her. Marlene's been making choices. Tess, uh, you know, Tess made choices. Maria sort of trying to kind of direct her in one way, too. Tess was trying to do the same. Captain Wong was trying to direct her in one way. David, Joel, everyone's always trying to kind of project their idea of what's best for Allie onto her. Um, I hope in part two or in the game we see Allie sort of own some some agency in determining what she's going to do because it seems up to this point that she's sort of been used as like a tool and as a pawn and and all these other people have been making choices for her. You know what I'm saying? Like I hope in part two she sort of recognizes this and maybe hopefully rebels against it and decides to start doing things for herself or making choices on her own. But I just thought that was... um. It's kind of interesting to see all these other people basically making these big lifetime choices for her. I mean, and that, and that happens when you're a kid, right? So I get it. Like when you're 14, 15. I mean, we've we've experienced that, and everyone, I think, most people, most kids experience that. But these are these are huge decisions and huge things that are happening, and and um, to not even consult with Ellie ever, it's uh, it's strange, and I'm sure it's kind of contributed to her sort of rebellious nature. Um, yeah, so we mentioned earlier that, that they sort of play fast and loose with all the medical science and, like, is there really no other way? Is there, can we get a fucking second opinion here? I don't know. No one, no one asked for one, but, um, the, the scene is kind of, it felt a little bit rushed. Like, I, even I was lost, like, wait, so she's gonna, I asked you, I'm like, wait, so this, the surgery means they're gonna kill her? And you were like, yeah, bro. And I was, it just went over my head in the first thing just because I felt like everything was happening pretty fast. Um, Marlene instructs the, the other fireflies to leave him on the highway and to give him the knife. Why would she tell him to give, you know, why, why would you give this motherfucker a knife? But she says, take the knife. It has sentimental value, I guess. You know, it was Anna's knife, but she tells him, you know, leave him on the highway, give him the knife, and that's that. And uh, I just thought Marlene made a couple of bad bad decisions here. Maybe she, she deserved to get what she got, but um, sure. not not very smart move here. And then, uh, so we get fight the fireflies versus Joel here. They're kind of escorting him out of the hospital. Thought it was a smart move here. He stops to see where the surgery is. He stops, you know, you get all those crazy maps in the hospital and he kind of seems to know his way around. And he gets, he, he, he kind of clocks where the surgery room is. And then, uh, he attacks the fireflies in the stairwell. Stairs, again, play, play a big role in this whole series. And of course it makes sense that they would show themselves in the finale again uh critical critical moment here uh i like how he says i don't have time for this <laughs> it says in the game too. yeah thought that was a great line kind of funny but disturbing and, and just badass um so he takes the knife make sure to remember i just thought it was great that he had like the the the, the state of mind to to remember to take the knife in that high high tense high pressure moment and then we get this sequence that we talked about earlier of like the ma- Joel's massacre or whatever you want to call it, but reminded me very much of the Terminator. The ways that the shells are bouncing off the ground in slow motion, and uh, the the music, the way the music slows down and it's sort of methodical, and he's just moving like like an unfeeling robot, and the sound design is just muted. Um, just really interesting way to portray this and kind of leaves it up to the audience to, to, to feel, you you know, one way this is supposed to be like a heroic moment, you know, 
in in more in a traditional sense it would be a heroic moment but when you realize all the all the baggage and all the bullshit behind it you, it's pretty disturbing and upsetting and i just thought this was a a good way to remind the audience of that it could have been shot like a real hero moment but uh i just love the fact that it was slowed down and and done this way uh, even if it's weird that he doesn't get scratched or nothing happens to him uh he he even kills a guy who's trying to surrender you see him stab a guy when he runs out of bullets, he's just mowing them down. And um, yeah, what, what did you think about what did you think about this sequence, bro? Yeah, I, I liked the the music choice and the how the sound cuts out a little bit. And I think it's I saw it as them like reflecting like his state of mind mm-hmm. that that he's just tuning everything else out, and the only thing that matters is protecting her and punishing the people that want to hurt her yeah and it's kind of shot like a video game kind of from his perspective even even mom was like yeah. this feels like a video game and i was like yeah i i, I get it but I, I didn't really get that sense it didn't take me out the fact that it was completely shot from him from you know behind his head that way i just thought because uh, it's not the whole thing isn't shot that way you get close up of his feet you get close ups of other um you get you know like around the corner i just thought the filmmaking was really well done here um, but is he doing this for himself or is he doing it for Ali? You know, like, does he really care about Ali or does he, my question would be basically is, does he care about Ali more than he, than he cares about what would happen if he lost her? You know, it's, maybe it's a little bit of both, but I think he's more afraid of what would happen to him personally if he lost Ali than what would happen to Ali. Um, like I wonder if he would sacrifice himself for Ali, you know, like if it was down to him or Ali, you know. Well, what do you think? Obviously, he would, yeah. So that means that he does. He is doing this for Ali's like well-being. He doesn't care about. You're saying that he wouldn't care about living a life with Ali more so than Ali living, even if it meant without him. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's the other way around. I think. I think he wants to live this life with Ali or, you know, he cares more about himself, I think, in this moment. It's a selfish thing he's doing, basically. Yeah, but you asked if it, if it were up to him, like, if it was just... If he had to die for her survival, essentially, then... Yeah, I guess both could be true. He would... He would... He wouldn't quite... He wouldn't even second-guess himself. He would die for her, for sure. Yeah, I guess both... I mean, he puts himself in harm's way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess both could be true. Um... So he finally finds the operation room. He, he walks in. He demands them to unhook her. The doctor says, I won't let you take her. He grabs a scalpel. The doctor like grabs the scalpel. Like That's going to do anything to this guy. I thought that was funny. Uh, but this is basically... He does that in the game, yeah, too. Yeah, this is a thing from the game. And a lot of, I heard a lot of people talking about how in the game you don't have a choice. You know, like video games are all supposed to be all about choice, especially in the era when this game was released, like in Bioshock, where... It's kind of like choose your adventure type of gaming that started to 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 become trendy, and uh, The Last of Us sort of didn't really do that. It's kind of forces you to make one choice and and deal with it. And a lot of gamers took issue with the fact that they weren't given a choice in this moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, was that something you felt when you were playing the game? The fact that you either have to kill it, you you need to kill the doctor in order to move forward in the game. Yeah, it's funny. This my last playthrough. Like knowing what happens in part two, I, I I just wanted to see what happened if I didn't shoot him, and then as you approach him, like it automatically 
makes you like grab the scalpel and like stab him in the throat. <laughs> Why really? Yeah. Without even you pressing anything? No, I didn't even press anything. I just walk. I was like walking up to Allie because I, w- I wanted to see if I could just pick her up and dip, yeah, yeah. and that was it. But I think that's the whole point of him grabbing the scalpel, is like, in in Joel's mind, he's not leaving you a choice. Yeah. He's like, well, you, if you're gonna, and he even says he's, like, I won't let you take her, and he's like, all right, well, now I'll just kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he just domes this doctor, and I was that was that was another shocking moment. Like throughout his massacre, you're like, okay, the first guy, yeah, the guy's shooting at him. Of course, that's okay, or not okay, but you, you accept that he's killing these, killing that specific firefly. The guy's threat; he's a threat. Then you see him kill someone who's surrendering, and you're like, hmm. And then you see him kill this doctor who's like unarmed. And then you're really like, holy shit, okay, I get it, Joel is... He's not unarmed, he had the scalpel. Okay, bro. <laughs> but basically, uh, you know what I'm saying? It, like, it progresses and and pushing you to, to finally buy that Joel is, isn't is a good per or isn't completely good, or isn't who you think he was. And I just thought the show did a... Or this episode, the episode did a pretty interesting, pretty good job of, like, slowly um, doing that with the sequence. Um, but once he killed the doc, I was like, I felt so conflicted about Joel at this point, and I was just like, I was, so, it was a, uh, yeah, it was just very off-putting, you know. Someone who's been rooting for this guy since day one, this is the first time where I'm like, oh my god, like this guy's a monster now. Yeah, um, even in last episode, we we did see him do some terrible things, but those guys were threats as well, you know. So you you learn to to rationalize it or um, accept it. Um, at least he spares the nurses though, bro. He didn't, he didn't dome the nurses up. So at least we got to give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah. They give you that choice in the game too. I, I like, I, I do remember the very first time I played it, I, I murked everyone. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so pissed off. But the last time, yeah, I, I let them survive. Yeah. Cause you, cause you can, you can, cause they're the ones that are like, they're in the game. They're like cowering in the corner and they're not, they're not a threat to you. So I, I didn't kill them th- this yeah. recent playthrough. Um, so he picks up, he picks up Allie, walks her out. He's holding her, sort of, kind of a callback to how he's, how he was carrying Sarah after Sarah hurt her ankle, um, in episode one. Um, and he, and he, and he walks out. He walks to the base, walks to the parking structure or the parking lot of the hospital, and that's where we see Marlene again. And we get the showdown with Marlene, and Marlene confronts him about all this. She basically asks how long before she gets killed because she lives in a broken world that we could have saved and i thought this uh this was an, this is an interesting question like does a cure necessarily mean that the world would be saved and i would i think there's an argument to be said that no it wouldn't i mean there's might make it worse what's that might make yeah, it worse might make it worse like how uh, accessible will this cure be will exactly. people go to war over it or what's gonna like how would that happen so um, her presumption that a cure would save the world is probably not entirely accurate. And um, is the bri- is the biggest threat to people's safety the infected, or is it other people? I mean, up until this point, we haven't seen many infected. Um, you know, most of the most of the bloodshed has been through human on human or pe- people against people. Yeah, um, and that's a reflection of her um, her her belief in and democracy still being restored and being resilient enough to 
to yeah like for for be, like democracy being resilient enough to accept the cure and 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 the benefits yeah. of it and from what we've seen that yeah like i think there is a very especially in the show there's a, a lot there's a very strong argument to be made that and especially considering um how many of the fireflies are dead now and it's like who's even going to go out there and I mean, granted, you know, they could probably get a lot of people on their side because they have a cure, but, I mean, people are going to be skeptical. They're going to be like, they don't have a cure. Like, what the yeah, hell? I mean, look, look what happened here once we had the vaccine. Yeah. How many skeptics that were? So, I mean, I don't know. Exactly. Um, but on Chen's podcast, he had an, a, a, a listener email in an interesting question that made me think about this, but he basically, the, the listener, this was an email from a listener. He said, well, wouldn't the world be just as dangerous with a cure than without one? Maybe even more so, kind of like what we were saying. Would a cure extinguish Kathleen's ruthlessness or David's deviance? No, people will always be fucked up and the world will always be dangerous. Um, and like you said, this might even elevate that danger. The fact that there is this, um, uh, you know, the fact that there is something that could heal out there. Uh, people are never really good about sharing resources People have killed each other for less, yeah, exactly, and, and without the presence of a pandemic. Yeah. So, and I wonder, especially this level of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if Joel considered this when making his decision, or if he was motivated purely by his love for Allie, or do you think this even yeah. crossed his mind, or something he thought about? I would love to see that them touch on that in season two. Yeah. You know, if 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 there's an argument or discussion he has with someone, and he brings that up, I think that'd be. That'd be a clever way of um, put, pulling in some fan theories. Or, yeah, yeah, do kind of being more transparent about the whole thing. I could see him using it as a way to like rationalize his his discretion and actions. Yeah. You know, people do that. They try to make up reasons and convince themselves that they believe they did something for one reason when they actually did it for another. But um, I don't know if he considered this. I think he was. If I had to put my money on it i would say he probably was motivated purely by his love for ali he didn't have time to consider everything else plus we see him when he's talking to tommy that this would make a better world for your kid i don't know if he was just trying to convince tommy but we've sort of seen glimpses of of what he believes a cure could do for the world uh, it seemed like he was trying to convince yeah, tommy and he's probably just manipulating him in that moment yeah. but um yeah so he could bring that point up in hindsight yeah. i'd be surprised if if they didn't touch on that point yeah um, you could essentially say like they, the world doesn't deserve a cure, or that they, like you see how the world is, like how it, how would that even happen, or like it, it wouldn't happen you the way you imagine it happened. Yeah, people like Marlene has like this sort of utopian vision of the world yeah. with a cure in it, and it's not realistic. Um, she, she, you know. Back back to what, what their exchange, she tells him, you know, it's not too late that there's other doctors, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Joel doesn't care. Um, and she asks, you know, what would Allie want? And we kind of touched on this earlier in the episode. But it seems like, again, I w- if I had to put my little bit of money on it, I'd probably say she would say, we've come too far. We got to do this. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And I, and I feel like the the story pointed to her wanting to do that throughout the whole season i feel like that was the strongest one of the strongest parts of the conclusion of um endurance survive is how guilty she felt about 
the fact that her blood didn't save Sam mm-hmm. and that and then even the episodes after that like it, it, I feel like it'd be a combination of her just being tired of fighting and also just uh, allowing her life to mean something or, or allowing her to save people from the pain that she's endured this whole time yeah like she's failed to save Tess and a couple of other mm. people that Riley obviously and she probably feels like she has to be able to do something like it has to do something um yeah there's no doubt in my mind that she would have if it was up to her yeah she would have definitely yeah done it no question yeah unless i mean Joel would beg like that would have been interesting seeing to see Joel beg her like not to and her have to confront that you know i think that'd be the only thing stopping her is like what would this do to this man if i were gone because if it wasn't for him, she'd be like, there's no one else here to live. You know, there's no one else here. I'd, she'd probably do it in a heartbeat. It would, her decision would have been a lot easier. That That's an easier decision to make before Joel than it is after. But um, I think even with Joel, I think you're right that she would say, look, this is, has to happen. Um, next we see her. So 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 Marlene basically, when she realizes Joel's not going to uh, relent, she 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 kind of resorts her last resort is basically to just beg for her life, and he says no. He says uh, you'd only come after her. Another that's from the scene too, or from the game too. Right? Yeah, hell yeah, yeah, love that. So part. yeah, the, the overall the series played stayed pretty true to the game, especially with some of the dialogue, especially with some of the moments, even up to the way the shit is framed, right? Dialogue especially, yeah. yeah. So. It seems like some of the more bigger, iconic, important moments they decided to leave as is. Why change it if it works, you know? For sure. Um, next we see they're on the road. And, and the editing is pretty interesting here. It's kind of intercut with the back with the Marlene showdown. You see all that. Um, so, yeah, the I, I kind of skipped ahead. But the, the please let me go, you just come after her part is sort of intercut with Joel and Allie in the car driving away as he's telling her this made-up story of what happened. Allie wakes up. She doesn't have any of her clothes. Um, Joel tells her it's just the drugs that they're wearing off, and she's like, what drugs? She has no idea what happened, so that's kind of scary that she... She she probably hasn't been conscious since the flashbang. Joel lies, and he says, you know, there's dozens of immune. The doctors couldn't make any of it work. They basically stopped looking for a cure again. This is pulled, pulled directly from the game. Um, Joel says that the ra- some raiders attacked that we barely got out and that he's taking them back home. Um, Allie asks about Marlene and Joel, you know, doesn't say anything. And that's when we see the cut to Joel murdering Marlene. And, um, Allie turns over, you know, she turns over on her back, sort of like a, like a figurative, uh, metaphor for her, maybe turning her back on Joel. I think Ryan Airy pointed that out. I thought that was interesting. And uh, she kind of turns her back on Joel, and he's looking at her through the mirror. Uh, they finally reach Wyoming. The car breaks down about f- about five hours outside, and kind of a callback, kind of a callback to episode three. Um, it's going to be about a five-hour hike, and he says we can manage that. So he's trying to cheer, trying to cheer up Allie here. Um, you know, he's trying to, he's kind of like delusional here, kind of, it's kind of disturbing this whole part where he's talking about Sarah and that Sarah liked to hike, that it wasn't her favorite thing, that she more liked to climb. He's kind of making all these comparisons of Allie to Sarah. You know, he says that she would have liked you, 
Um, even though it was funny, like he's saying things like, you know, she was more girly. I'm not saying that you're not girly. And she had this great smile. I'm not saying that you don't. Um, what I'm saying, you know, he's kind of tripping over his words. It's, it's, it's endearing. It's funny, but it's also like awkward and creepy almost. And, and, uh, I just thought that's a, that's such a hard thing to pull off to make something equally or not maybe equally, but both endearing and creepy and, and kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad. Yes. Yeah. Very, very sad. Yeah. More than sad. Like I was kind of like, uh, like I said, a little disturbed, but yeah, it is sad for sure. It's, it's sad mm-hmm. too. It's just all these different things. And that's just a testament to, uh, how well this character has been, how well the characters and their relationships have been drawn out to, to pull something like this off is, is really, um, must've been satisfying for the show creators to, to make this work because it did work. You bought all of it. Um, the whole exchange, like I said, is awkward and uncomfortable. Um, this is finally, uh, Allie decides to open up about this, her, about what happened to Riley. So this is the first time we've heard her confess to Joel, what happened to Riley. And she tells him basically everything. Um, she kind of talks about all the people that she's had to see die for her to move forward. Her, Tess, R- Riley, Tess, Sam, all the people, like I said, who have died to her to get to, to the Fireflies. And um, and how disappointed she is that it didn't work out, basically. And, and Joel lets her know that you, you can feel like you've reached an end, but you got to keep going. you got to find something new to fight for. And what I think what he's trying to convince her is that to forget about everything else and the new thing to fight for is is her happiness and her new life with Joel. And he's trying to really convince her to, like, forget all this other shit. And and she seems like she can't. Like, she was really committed to this idea of of saving, of, of, of finding a cure. And he's trying to make her forget. And then the episode ends with her asking Joel to swear to him that, that what happened was uh is the truth and he swears straight faced lie here poker face like a motherfucker he just says <laughs> yeah I swear and she says okay this is basically again pulled directly from the game and um just brilliant acting here from both ends but uh this is real this is like Joel commits really t- huge sins two huge sins throughout this episode one is you know obviously what he did at the hospital. But the second one, more egregious one, is lying and swearing to Allie here, I think. And uh, it's just, I left, I didn't expect to to leave the series or for the series to leave us with such conflicted feelings about Joel. It's a really bold move to make you question everything that you've uh, thought about the lead of the show uh, to, to, you know, to completely like almost flip on him, you know, like for me, um, I don't know, like, Joel has reached this irredeem, he's done such a terrible thing that I don't know if he'll ever be redeemed in my eyes, fully redeemed, but I just thought so bold of the show, ballsy for the show to do that, you know, we talk about other shows that, uh, position this anti-hero as their central figure, like Sopranos or, or Breaking Bad, and those shows did do that, you know, I don't know about Tony, I don't know if Tony ever did something as crazy or as unforgivable as this he did do terrible things but it was never to people who he loved other than maybe a spoiler maybe like pussy or um a few other people but adriana yeah adriana but they you know they did the one thing that you can't you know yeah yeah that's true so um but 
Do you feel the same way? Chrissy, for sure, Chrissy. Oh, yeah, Chrissy. Yeah. R.I.P. Chrissy. He didn't want Chrissy to do what basically happened with Adriana Pussy. He felt he was just on the verge, you know. He just felt like having yeah. a junkie in the family was too much of a threat that eventually that, that would lead him to flipping. Like, he would trip up or... And he probably was right, bro. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, but did you feel the same way, like, walking away from the series or with the series ending... I mean, you play the game, so you feel differently. You have more context, of course, but I know it's hard to you, for you to separate what you know about part two. But, um, and you touched on this in the, you know, throughout the whole time we've talked about the show about how Joel has done terrible things and he's not this clean character that we think he is. And now I know what you mean. And, um, yeah, what I'm basically saying is like, I don't know if I'm rooting for Joel anymore, basically. Well, I, I'm kind of, Happy to hear you say that because, I mean, as we know, so many people in the gaming community are a bunch of dinguses. <laughs> but, um, I mean, granted, I was a different age, and but I feel like when I first played it, I, I, I didn't even question it, really. I was, like, happy to do it. I was happy to merc everyone <laughs> because I was like, yeah, this shit's all that matters. Like, fuck everyone else. They don't deserve... And then, of course, like, you're playing as this person for so many hours, and, you know, you grow an attachment, and you justify it. But by the time the second game come, came around, and I already knew some story details going into the second game, the the decisions that piss everyone off about the second game, they didn't bother me as much because I've had, I had all those years to reflect on the the weight of Joel's selfish decision, and then I feel the way they executed in the show. I mean, it, the reason I mentioned spending time with the game is you don't you don't have that same connection with this medium with TV because you're just watching it happen. You're not playing it. You're not dying however many times and getting frustrated and whatnot. But so they definitely had that advantage with it on TV. But I mean. Still, it was executed well because, yeah, you are. It's it's just a lot easier, I think, to see the selfishness in his decision, and and then I mean they 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 clear they clear cut tell you in that scene with Marlene when she says you you know this is what or like this is what she would have wanted, and he he has like that look on his face, and he looks down at her and. And Marlene tells him right away, like, and you know it, because he does know yeah. it. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, there's no doubt in my mind that if if the, if we did have a scene, I mean, it would be a completely different story, but whatever. Hypothetically, if we did have a scene, we know for a fact that Ali would have been like, yes, like, that's fine, just kill me. Yeah. Like, if that means saving other people, I've I've done enough, I've seen enough, I've sacrificed enough, and... I'm glad to do it, or, or not glad, but I I know I this is what I have to do. She's probably already made that decision. Yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't surprise her that she would have to yeah. make this consideration. She's probably already thought about it. And, but um, yeah, yeah, interesting that that you feel this basically the same way that I do. But um, just thought, like I said, it's a bold way to close the series. Uh, to to completely ask the audience do you still really root for this guy like when they've sort of invested you so deeply into him and then for them to sort of show you how complex and 
human he is, uh, and then to you know, you know, I just think it's a bold way of closing a a series, really, or to to have a, yeah. a, a season of television. But yeah, like we said at the top of the episode, the series was was um just a really just like a nine out of ten, ten almost maybe ten out of ten. Just a few slip ups, the Kathleen thing, a couple, the David thing about a little bit rushed. Um, maybe not. Maybe could have benefited from some more infected. You know. Oh my God! For <laughs> sure. Jeez, one episode. They're like, all right, that's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that would I I would have liked to see that just because, yeah, I mean it's it's cool and the design. Not only is it cool, like you know, in as a genre, but um, the specific design of them in this world, I just I just thought it was excellent, great, and well done, and so different the clicking and all that, and just the different types. I would have loved to see a little bit more. Um, but it'd be hard to work it into the story. The story that they've chosen to tell doesn't really have much room for, for infected, which is weird. Right. But Mm -hmm. like, how would you insert infected into this last episode? It wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure in the game they pop up, but they pop up just for the sake of the gameplay. Yeah. I was more so talking about the whole series, not this specific episode, but even like last episode, where would they fit in there? You know, it's like David versus, I mean, I know there's a sequence where David and Allie have to stage off a bunch of infected, right? Yeah, that, that, that's one that I definitely think they they had a missed opportunity. Yeah, because that could have, yeah, that would because that established that's what established her trust yeah. in him in the yeah, game. Yeah, that would have served the story yeah. and made her turn feel even. Uh, it would have landed her turn and made it far more substantial. Um, knowing that you know that they he saved her life basically in the game, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, like that. That uh, I think the series could have benefited from that. Maybe make it one episode longer. You know, like that would have been tight. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Nine episodes. There's there's other ten episodes. Is cleaner. I'm a fan of even numbered up ep- uh, series seasons of TV. Why not? I mean, it's technically ten with how long the first episode is, yeah. but still. But I think uh, there's there was plenty of space. Like you said, the David storyline could have been two episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even why I don't know about Wyoming, but I would have loved to see a little bit more Tommy too. I thought he was great, Maria. Uh, but yeah, overall, very few complaints. Great series of TV. A um, couple of favorites from this episode, in particular. The favorite moment is obviously I think time heals all wounds. I guess it wasn't, or I guess it wasn't time that did it. I love that moment. Just the line. It's also my probably my favorite line. Um, the writing and dialogue has been overall pretty, pretty great. And like we said, a lot of it's pulled from the game. So credit to Neil Druckmann. Like he's a pretty good writer of dialogue. I thought like, sure, there's cringy mm-hmm. kind of moments, but for a guy who wrote a video game, this isn't the type of dialogue you would expect to see in video games. But, um, I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then it's elevated by Mason. I know Mason sort of polished uh, up a lot of it and has a lot to do with it. But some of these less, uh, or some of these dialogue lines are pulled directly from the game and, those are some of my favorites. Um, the MVP of the episode, probably the giraffe, bro. <laughs> For sure. The non-CGI giraffe that looks like a CGI yeah. giraffe. <laughs> no, it, uh, like you said earlier, Bella and Joel have just really elevated themselves. We already both knew both. We both already knew how great of actors they were, but I wasn't a. No, I wasn't expecting. I necessarily. I don't think I was expecting this. They, they, they work so well together, and um, 
yeah, they're, they're, I was blown away by their performances. I'm sure that they'll be getting some sort of awards attention or awards love. Um, do you have a couple favorites you want to list off from the episode? I think my favorite um, moment was was the ending with Marlene. I thought they executed that well because that's like one of my favorite points at the, in the game when right before he kills her and their whole dialogue was done very well and the actors elevated it for sure. Yeah. And I mentioned it before, but I, I do love that, that kind of subtle moment that um, where she's like, it's what she would have wanted and he has that deadpan look on his face knowing that, that it is and Marlene's like, and you know it, because it's like, it's a perfect um, segue going into what we think will likely happen based on the second game in the second season. Yeah. I think that was a poignant moment. And then my MVP is probably Pedro Pascal. I thought thought he he performed all sides of Joel Mm -hmm. in this episode really well. He had the soft side. He had the fucking lunatic side. (laughs) He had the corny kind of sad dad side <laughs> yeah. and I, I hate to use this word because it has a negative connotation with it but I was thinking more on that last scene where they're walking and they're hiking but it's just it's almost kind of like a like a pathetic portrayal oh, yeah. you know because he's just he's a ta- he's he's um trauma bonding with her so hard and He's attaching all these ideas of Sarah onto her so hard. It's 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 hard. It's hard to watch. Sad to see. Yeah, that's what. But it's executed yeah, well. Pathetic is a good word for it. It's harsh. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that's basically what I was saying when I said it was upsetting and a little bit disturbing, yeah. a little awkward, creepy. But yeah, yeah. pathetic. It's a little harsh, mm. but no, it's it, it is. It's it's very sad. You said it was sad, and yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. He he was great. He did uh, he did like you said, show all these different sides of Joel. Um, anything else, bro? Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? We should do the same favorites just for the whole season. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite moment. Uh, I'm I was surprised when you said that it was the highest rated episode. Oh, it's the second highest. And and or no, I was talking about Endurance oh. Survive. Um, I said before that that was my favorite mm-hmm. episode. Ironically enough, because the episode before it was like probably the one of the worst yeah. ones yeah. and. I wanted to touch on that point. Like, I think the whole Kathleen thing, we could have done without it, or we could have at least condensed it or made it better. I don't know, but that, uh, I feel like the justification of that episode and adding that storyline wasn't vindicated in any way, mm-hmm. really. And that was the weakest part of Endurance Survive, too, because, yeah, like she gets killed by the kid clicker, but it's like, all right, cool, I guess, <laughs> whatever. But, um, yeah, I think the the moment with the moments like that action moment with the infected that was probably my favorite part of the whole series and and but in that same episode, God man, Lamar Johnson, I I, I really I can't I've been thinking about him since that episode. I thought he killed it. I thought I think he was the best guest performer. Him and it's him and it's very close between him and Murray Bartlett. Yeah. I thought they were the best guest appearances and he, and an honorable mention Storm Reed as well. I thought she was great. Yeah. And and what they gave her, but I mean Lamar Johnson, he I mean he basically had one episode. He we did appear in that first episode of the that storyline a little bit at the end, but 
um i always think of that line when he was like you're not her father but you were someone's uh, i thought that that was a cool line the way he delivered that and stuff and yeah mvp for the whole season i would say bala i mean as much as i loved pedro bala was the one coming in that was getting the most shit on from all this stupid gaming community saying like making fun of her kind of critiquing her looks and saying disgusting things about that and saying that she's too old or I don't know you I don't I don't want to get into it they were just shitting on her and the fact that she made made essentially everyone eat it by absolutely killing this role yeah. and, and and now this is it's ironic because she had I mean not that she had a lot to do in Game of Thrones but everyone well she was just so tied to that role and like now it's it's fun, it's kind of cool for her to see it's kind of cool to see her run it back and kind of do it again. And now this is like her role that she'll be known for until maybe she does something else. But kind of cool that she's kind of gone two for two essentially on. Yeah, she she really on these big roles. She really stretch was able to stretch out and show us shit that we had no idea she was capable of. I, I yeah. thought like um, the softness of Ali. She's 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 equally like tough, but also very vulnerable and. And sweet at the same time. That's something that's hard to pull off. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, let them know awesome. Ali's the one who cut cut your fucking broke yeah, your fucking finger. Fine. Yeah, like to go from that and then to see her in those soft moments with Riley, um, the way she would just and look Sam. at longingly at yeah, Riley. She was good with Sam too. Huh? She was good with the Sam oh, actor yeah. too. Just how sweet and childlike she was with mm. Sam and kind of nurturing. Uh, she could do it all. But interesting. Uh, this thing you said about Henry one moment that I think that they sort of refer to this in this episode was that he, he when he tells Henry if you did it all for him I understand yeah and that sort of kind of gives you a hint or a kind of um, an idea of where Joel's head is and it kind of rationalizes his decision in the, in the final moments of the series um, so yeah I thought that was that was interesting but yeah that guy was excellent and I hope he gets to work again the the fact that he was like on top of the world, the most talked about actor, you know, for like mm-hmm. that one week. And then that's what happens though. When TV moves this fast, you know, like uh, I just hope that we don't forget about him or that the, the industry doesn't forget about what he did in this series. Yeah. I'm still thinking about that performance. And then that final scene as heartbreaking as it was, man, everyone, everyone, even behind the camera did that exceptionally. The actors were awesome. The, the framing was awesome. Like the everything. Yeah. And I love the way, um, like, like his his body moves when he he shoots at at Joel's feet. Like he almost he almost gets scared of of the bullet or like the gunshot too. Like it's just like second nature for him to protect his brother. And then when he realizes what he's done, like, and then the the look on on Bella Ramsey's face that was yeah, yeah she- it makes sense that that was the highest rated episode because there are so many scenes, but that one specifically just is like what the probably the high high note of the whole series yeah, probably that ended up being my favorite i know at the time when yeah. i was like i don't want i'm always very um aware of like sensitivity or recency bias you know and i was like yeah. i don't want to say this is my favorite episode it's the one we just watched i really liked episode yeah. two but yeah upon reflection now i think that's one of my favorite that's probably the favorite one too yeah but yeah like and it, and it, and it and it made it made me think when he shot at the feet. I'm like, that's exactly what I would do, you know. Like someone yeah. who is not familiar with guns, who's not violent. Like, 
a lot of times you see people who say, in, in movies and TV who have no idea how to use a gun or anything, and they you know they just dome people up uh, when a high stakes moment like this happens. But the fact that he shot the feet yeah. and the fact that he was like so he felt the gun felt so clumsy in his hand, it was so realistic. That whole sequence was so realistic. Yeah, and it was nice to see Joel conflicted in that moment too because he he bonded with with Henry as well, you know, like um if he was in full psycho mode Joel, he would have just lunged at him right after he shot at his feet and fucked him up, but he um I remember that they they cut to Pedro right after that and he has he has like his his teeth are like grinding and he looks like so conflicted like he doesn't know what to do, like he feels bad like his face kind of expresses that he feels like so bad about Sam getting infected and he doesn't want Henry to, to hurt Ellie. He doesn't want Henry hurt himself. There's just so many conflicting emotions going on there. I really yeah, like that. Yeah, the way he screams scene. Henry no. He tells him no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that that was, oh man, that was, t- that was a tough episode. Yeah, and, and then seeing them talk about living in Jackson together just made me think, oh, man, that would have be, been so cool to see Henry and Sam and Jackson. They were so close. Yeah, and to see Sam grow up with Ellie a little bit, that would have been yeah. cool. Well, yeah, what could have been. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that like I said that that was if I had an, another another favorite moment. I mean I think episode three had a lot of good ones for different reasons. That just feels like it's a whole own little story. Yeah. So it's, like it's own movie. But um, a lot yeah. of stuff in episode one. A lot of stuff with Sarah. Uh. Tess. Yeah. yeah Tess was Tess, awesome. I mean, yeah. The guest actors overall were great. And even like the people who like I like Melanie Linsky. I just thought that role was not fully fleshed out and the guy yeah. who played david was good in certain aspects but i thought he was asked maybe to do a little bit too much especially towards with the evil turn i don't know if i bought that um yeah but overall the guest actors have all been really really great even the lady played maria i liked her um tommy like i said yeah um, yeah i think i think yeah i think that's a about it for me i mean like i said i love i love the series and i can't we have to wait almost they kind of gave like a long shot timeline for when we can expect season two did you see that end yeah. of 23 or end of 20 yeah end of 20 i can wait they can t- they should they'll take their time say with end that, of 20 right? no it can't yeah. be end of 23 end of 24 or early 25 yeah, but they they were saying they could start filming as soon as the end of this yeah, year. Yeah, I see they're going to I think they're going to yeah. film sooner than that. I mean, what, what yeah, the hell? Probably. Let's go. Uh, yeah. And yeah, anything else, bro? Glad you mentioned all that stuff about the the se- the season as a whole. Uh, I was just watching a, an an interview with Druckmann and he, he was addressing a lot of the fan complaints like like you kind of are forced to do as a video game director. But one of the ones I was excited for is that he said, obviously, a lot more infected because he, he's heard the complaints about that. So I'm excited to see that for the next season. And then they, they didn't outright say it, but in so many words, they were alluding to kind of altering the um, the editing of the second game. Because the second game goes back and forth through time so many mm-hmm. times. And they might take a more linear approach with that, which I think would be smart. But also... I still think they could do do it how they they did in the second game. So I'm I'm interested to see I'm interested to see how the second game's um like story beats and 
and how how it'll play out in the the second season because yeah they've already alluded to kind of changing some of the chronological or like they might do it chronologically or they might go back and forth i feel like it'd be smart if they did it chronologically but we'll see but there i'd be surprised if they did it exactly the way they did it in the second game because that's like one of the one of the complaints too with the second game is how often it does that but i think it does it effectively but i would also like to see a different take and and see how how the story plays out and how you feel about it if they mess with the order of events a little bit in the second game and is it yeah and well they already said they're going to stretch it across two seasons so yeah yeah they have, they have to do that game so long but what two yeah. timelines does part two run through well it starts off five years in the future but there's a couple of flashbacks to the time in between that there's like a flashback to Allie's like I think it's her 16th or 15th birthday which is after flashback. the end of this season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so that that probably be the best way to like give you a sneak peek of that. Like I want to see if if they they might start with that or they might just skip to 5 years. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we have plenty of time to sp- speculate. Um yeah, and, and me and Bob have already talked about it too. We we plan on I'm I'm gonna I'll probably play the game. No offense, bro, because if if you you play, you might you probably won't pick it up again. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do a playthrough, and and this time Bob will go into this next season knowing the whole story. Hopefully, yeah, well, I've already been spoiled yeah. on one of the major things. Yeah, but yeah, I want you to see the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, I want you to see the whole game. I think it's it's a, a brilliant, amazing. Yeah, game, very polarizing so. from what I understand, yeah. from what I've heard. There's some. I like shit. Like yeah, that. no, I know. I'm I just think, interested to see yeah. like what boy, what 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 happened? Because yeah. to hear some people say, "Oh my God, it's trash, terrible," um, to some people say, "I love what they did. I love the the direction they took." Um, and yeah. I can see. I mean, now I understand what they mean, especially the way that this ended. The fact that mm-hmm. they did such a bold flip on Joel's character tells me that they're not afraid to take bold risks and make these big decisions on um but that's what's great like yeah. you, you people you, you've invested people to much care so much about these characters and when you do something that they get so angry it's because that they care so much so you've done your job pretty well as a creator to make these people yeah. care so much to, to to respond so vehemently and you want that response you want a strong response you'd be less uh it'd be less effective if 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 no one cared when you made something, when you did something bold or different. Yeah. And, and I think we, the gaming community, I don't think they'll ever really learn to formulate their opinion or their arguments in a healthy Mm-mm. manner, because I feel like I'm not saying it's a perfect game. It, it's, I like it. I, I love the game, but yeah, a lot of the critiques are valid, but the way in which people, like choose to kind of speak on them it's i don't agree with that because they 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 complain about all the superficial aspects of it and they make a joke out of it like if you really want people to get on your side formulate a strong opinion and give valid reasons because i've seen plenty of i mean i've seen more of like stupid like trolling complaints rather than you know kind of being more like i guess just broadening your perspective right so i i could really i can get behind certain complaints for sure i'm not saying it's a perfect game nothing's perfect and 
at the same time, I do appreciate the boldness of it. And I, and yeah, I think it's a, I think it's, there's definitely a blueprint there and it's nice that it's a relatively recent game and they have, they'll have the luxury now of tweaking it. And I feel like there'll be a lot more tweaking this second season. We might see some, some things that were never even touched on in the game, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of played with that here yeah. a little bit. You know, we got a whole episode, a couple new characters and stuff, but you could tell they were kind of just testing it out. And it's from everything that Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann have spoke on. It sounds like that they'll be taking even bigger swings with the second season, but swings in which to adjust the, the story and the blueprint that's already been established yeah because what happened in season yeah. one is that they kind of s- expanded side plots yeah. or yeah. side characters and then, and in part two you're saying that they might actually adjust like actual main character motivation and shit mm-hmm. yeah interesting to see but yeah what you're saying about like how people deliver their arguments or their critiques are sometimes so the method in which they do it is so like um ill-advised or missing or just yeah like the the way that they deliver their message even if it is compelling or has merit it doesn't get across just because the way that they deliver it is so yeah toxic or violent or aggressive and and even if they might have a strong argument the, it's lost because of how they decide to communicate it yeah and and, and sometimes they do that intentionally and that's what it's even more infuriating it's like they're doing it to either make you laugh or to make you angry, and it's like, you ca- if you care that deeply, and then also it could be the opposite, like, it could be a combination of both. They care so deeply, and, and they get so emotional about it that they start sending death threats to Neil Druckmann and stuff like that. Like, I don't yeah. know, man. That, 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 that touches on the whole idea of fanaticism. That's why I try to avoid it at all costs, because if you put so much belief and weight into anything, you're... You're jeopardizing your your morals and and your essentially your ethics. Just especially for a a piece of art or a piece, yeah, it's a, just a piece of art that was meant to be entertaining. You know, it wasn't meant to make your life miserable. That's your choice at the end yeah, of the not, day. It's you know? not being pitched to you as like a cornerstone yeah. of philosophy for your life or anything. It's just yeah. like there for your entertainment for you too. Yeah, if it pisses you off, like yeah, it can piss you off, but. There has to be a limit. You can't let it piss you off to the point where you're you're making your life miserable about it. And it's, I mean, the game's already th- going to be three years old, and people still act like it just happened yesterday, and like they're so miserable on Reddit forums and about it and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Dave yeah. Chen said something. He's not he's not looking forward to the to the discussion of or the like. I guess like the the response to part two, just because some of the the themes touched on are so polarizing and like some of the decisions made are so, um, yeah, like he doesn't want to see all of that, what happened and for the video game kind of rehashed or re reignited with the TV show, but that it's going to, it's probably going to happen. I don't, I don't know what he's referring to, but I'm interested to see what everyone's talking about with part two. Like, yeah, I definitely feel like, especially considering some of the choices they made in the first season, they're going to refrain, they're going to refrain or, limit a lot of certain things and that and it would be it would be wise to because because some of it it not only would it could it just not transition well to this medium but 
it either could be improved upon or um like altered to some yeah maybe degree. hasn't aged well yeah. you know society is constantly evolving yeah. and sometimes you need to adapt and adjust certain yeah. ideas that you're trying to communicate for the current time that is being presented to and now so that might I'm sure that yeah. they'll do that I feel like they did that with this season too yeah and 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 I do want to have some faith cuz the TV people who are tuned into TV that their the HBO audience is a lot different from the gaming community so I guess to, to have an optimistic approach about it, I'm not that worried. And especially if considering that they've alluded to tweaking the order of events, I feel like if they do that, the it'll it'll transition much more smoother than it did in the game. Because even for me, the first time I played the game, I was like, what the fuck? Like, right now we're going back, and now we're playing as this person, and like, what the fuck's going yeah. on? So the the show will, have, will definitely have the benefit of not having to deal with that. Yeah, that that's uh, it's always under, hard when shows jump a lot between timelines, but I'm usually pretty able, pretty good with following that stuff. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think another thing we we have to acknowledge is the, the second game took bold um, swings and 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 took took liberties in, in the medium of gaming. So this isn't this isn't the gaming community or audience we're talking about anymore. So yeah, like yeah, again, from from that op- optimistic standpoint, I'm pretty uh, I have high hopes that that people won't respond as harshly. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, like you said the HBO audience is different, but mm-hmm. all the all the gamers are going to be tuning in too, so you have to account for that. Like they're going to be there too. It's going to be blended in. Um yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But, they'll be there, and they'll sh- be sure to yeah. make their voices heard. They did with this season. They t- took yeah. a lot of issues with this season, but overall, yeah. I didn't. I'm glad it didn't drown out the overall acclaim that this season has received, and how um how how well it's been received, and all the success that's come to it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can complain as much and bitch as much as you want. You're still tuning in, <laughs> so you're still make giving their money. If you really felt a certain way about it, then just don't yeah. watch. It's easy as that. If you feel so strongly about it, why would you want to return to something that makes you feel miserable? Again, it goes back to that what I was saying. If you're making that choice to be angry about it and to be miserable, at the end of the day, that's your choice. You're making, you're letting a video game and a TV show dictate your emotions. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, I think that's gonna do it, um, bro. I just want to say it's been awesome to talk to you about this show. I really, um, yeah, thank for you sure. for all your insight into the show and behind the game and just everything else that you bring to the show i think um all of your uh yeah everything that you brought and all your thoughtfulness and i just really love talking about this stuff and especially this game uh, and this series so thank you bro i really really appreciate it and i, and I yeah. really had yes. a good time talking about the show yeah for sure bro thanks for having the outlines up <laughs> on the tv here and and i i, I never i freestyled this entire this entire series of podcasts. No, I love that. I love that you do that. And I know, you know, not, but uh, yeah, like I am, I do want to start writing a script. Yeah. Or just like and, noting thoughts yeah. down, yeah, you know, noting, like you so. don't have to have a script. Sometimes I do that just cause like I forget what I want to say, but no, you, you, you've always very good on your toes and no, but I kind of miss it. Cause like, not to toot my own horn, but I, I do remember when I would give speeches in college and whatnot, but like my professors would always commend me for, because I I would write in with like like knowing I'm presenting it to an audience and I would 
I wouldn't like write certain notes of like whether I wanted it to be funny mm-hmm. or wanted to come off mm-hmm. serious and whatnot. So I would like to return back to that. And special shout out to Angel, man. He's been tuning in. He texts me <laughs> every week, bro. I love you, mm-hmm. dog. Um, me and Bob really appreciate it. Yeah, all the loyal listeners, the f- Jazzy Girl, Toby, yeah. um, Tyler, Olivia. Yeah, but Angel, dude, like he 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 sent he tells me he listens at work and he he takes little notes <laughs> and like he, he even he she shared with me like these notes he has on his iPhone and like he, he tells me of like the times he like you've made him laugh and we've made him laugh and That's whatnot. Funny. So I I appreciate Tell him to jump that. on and come on as a guest. That's what I've told him. And he's like, no, fuck what? no. I'm like, no, I can't I told- do it. Eventually, I'll, I'm gonna get yeah, him. We're gonna eventually. have some guests. Like, I want to have Jasmine on. Yeah. Um. Maybe we'll talk about Succession or even Yellow Jackets. Maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say, but I I want us to to decide right now. I think Yellow Jackets. Yeah, would be I just good. oh man, bro, I just feel so ill-equipped to talk about Yellow Jackets because it's such a heavy, deep, deep show with so many Easter eggs and so many different things, and there's so many people talking about it. Or so much better, but yeah, I mean, I understand what's going on. There's just a lot going on, but but yeah, yeah. Man, I'm like yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in, and um, we're gonna keep doing this. Well, I want to start talking about movies too. We watch a lot of movies. It's just um, gotta, maybe we'll do like a like a monthly roundup or a bi-monthly roundup of films that we've seen and talk about them for. Just do some retro yeah. reviews too, even like recent things, like not even necessarily retro, but like kind of late train viewings. Yeah. You know, I was mentioning I watched last night in Soho earlier. Last night, yeah, actually. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and I think that it's was always dope. good to... Yeah. I mean, stuff is coming at us so fast all the time, and there's stuff that is on my watch list from, like, 2020 that I still want to see. Um, but it's never too late to check something out. But Yeah. I also like when creators, like, um, go back on something retrospectively or they kind of wait and to talk about a show or a movie that's that came out, like, months or... A year ago, something like that. Yeah, because like then you, you, because some you have time to reflect yeah, on it. Sometimes too, you're kind of just regurgitating everything, all the other uh, yeah. discourse that you've heard about something, and you have mm-hmm. more time to kind of formulate your own thoughts. But yeah, like I want to keep, want to try different things, talk about different things, maybe not even talk about movies and just get on and just talk about what's going on. But um, yeah, I love it. Sports, maybe yeah. basketball yeah, would be tight. Sure. Hopefully we'll be talking about Celtics championship. That's why. Months. That's why I dropped in that other shit. That way it gives us a lot of room to do other, yeah. other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that was clutch. We'll see. All right. Um, yeah, a couple plugs before we get out. Uh, I, I talked about Ryan Airy on Screen Crush, Emergency, Awesome, The Ringer, Prestige, Dave Chen. I always I like to listen to him. The the HBO official podcast has been really good. Um, Mallory Rubin and Joanna Robinson always do really good deep dives. On the on the Ringer Prestige TV podcast, uh, I think that's about it. Shout out everyone! Remember your blessings and mind your business. Peace, gods. Peace. <laughs>